0: I was uh, involved with um, meditation practice, dharma practice at the San Francisco Zen Center. There was one resident who was in his, when I knew him, I guess he was in from his mid-80s to mid-90s, Lou Hartman. Some of you might know him, knew him, remember him. Uh, he was the husband of Blanche Hartman, who was the Abbess of the Zen Center for a number of years and um, I think Lou um, was older than Blanche so um, and they both lived quite quite a long time and you know into his late nineties But I remember that Lou used to Ride the buses around San Francisco and ride like the line all the way to the end of the line, you know and then come back and you know' and kind of go off for the afternoon and he was very independent and uh, very steady presence in the in the temple and always there in the morning, and always he had a kind of few things that he that he did and but I remember asking why do you why do you ride the buses around san francisco and he looked at me and said um i'm working on my problems <laughs> <laughs> it was a kind of unexpected answer but such a great answer you know he's working on his you know, he's, thinking about his problems and uh, you know and I, and sometimes i think that when we're when we're meditating i mean it happens when we're not meditating as well we go on these we go down these holes we go down these mental we take these mental buses <laughs> to various destinations unknown and you know we're working on our problems you know it's one of the ways we do it. and um, But I think there's something about practice that is um, addressing our difficulties is a very important part of practice. Whatever we think our problems are, whatever we think our difficulties are. Um, in Zen, this is called The barrier, you know, that we all have some barrier that we, that's, we're working on, we're working with, we're sitting with, we're chewing on, we're ruminating on, um, whether it's real, whether it's imagined, um, I think it's, it's very human to, have problems, have difficulties, and kind of be be working on them. So maybe we could say in this in this teaching that I shared earlier in the morning, um, happiness is what's right now. Happiness is what's happening right now, minus our expectations. You know, maybe we could say the barrier is our expectations. That's that's the difficulty. That's the barrier. <laughs> And so we come to practice because we have difficulties. And then the sort of strange thing is practice doesn't say, okay, we're going to take away your difficulties right now. What practice says is, I'm going to give you some new difficulties. (laughs) You know, so you thought you had the difficulty of all of the expectations and all the things I want or the stresses in my life. But now I come here and I have some new difficulty. I have to find out how do I sit still and not move and not get up and go check my phone and go to my car and go get a cup of coffee. How do I just stay here? And how do I stay present in this ordinary moment that's not particularly special, not particularly interesting, um... So practice gives us these difficulties. It gives us difficulties that we need to somehow figure out. I remember one of my teachers, Mel Weitzman, used to say, um, in in practice you can't stay and you can't go. It's impossible. (laughs) You know? It's impossible. And, um, but somehow, when we're faced with something that's impossible, when we're faced with a barrier, an immovable barrier, we, it stimulates something in us. It, it brings something out of us that we didn't know we had, that wouldn't have been elicited if we hadn't put ourselves in this position. So we, whether it's we come here and we sit with each other, whether we're doing our practice at home, um, we're giving ourselves some challenge. And the trust is that even though it's impossible, we find out how to do it. I think someone once asked Suzuki Roshi, who was the founding, you know, Japanese. Zen master, founded at San Francisco Zen Center, and said to him, if practice is impossible, how can we do it? How do we do it? And the student said that Suzuki Roshi just um, looked at him and said, you do it every day, <laughs> you know? Every day we come up against difficulties. Every day we, we meet what's challenging. And um, if we're lucky, It sort of brings forth some, some, another level of awareness, another level of consciousness, and so I think about that. You know, it's it's easy to, um, it's you know, I think it's very human and very understandable to want to avoid what's difficult, and I think a lot of our life and probably a lot of our economy is is rooted in, you know, the path of least resistance and avoiding what's difficult and putting, distracting ourselves. And so maybe we can say that meditation practice is kind of a practice of non-avoidance. We're coming here in this somewhat constructed artificial container to, um, to be with and meet Whatever, whatever is present, whatever is alive, in this body, whatever needs care and attention, whatever is alive in this heart, in this mind, and to just meet it and be with it, um, I think it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing, and it's a profound thing, and it goes against, I think, our instinct which is to often to not deal with things, to avoid them, to distract ourselves. Because there's a payoff to that, you know. Um, So we should expect and understand that when we sit down and when we walk and when we're willing to be just in this ordinary moment, some difficulty will arise, some impatience, some unpleasantness, some discomfort. And then so how do we relate to that? Is that a mistake? Is that a problem? Is that a sign that we're not doing it right? Um, no. You know, uh, I think it's actually the opposite of that. That when difficulty arises, when, when this barrier, when we come up to this barrier, you know, it's like, yes, okay, this is my practice. This is what I'm here to be with in this morning, in this sitting. And um, it's not that we figure it out cognitively, it's that we, we just sit with it and we breathe with it and we notice all of the ways that this difficulty is um, influencing us coloring our experience and we sit with it and we um, we accept it for the way it is but something in that acceptance in that being with uh, maybe the barrier is um, is transformed or we're transformed and so You know, in Zen, there's this collection of stories, collections of koans, which is called, um, sometimes it's called the gateless gate, or the gateless barrier, or the no-barrier barrier. You know, and what I think it's pointing to is that every barrier is also a gate, you know? It's like every barrier, every obstacle, every difficulty is an opportunity to practice. It's a Dharma gate. So it's the gateless gate. Um, Or maybe we can say everything is a gate. When we see it that way, everything is a Dharma gate. We imagine there's some special gate, there's some special doorway, you know, if you're a meditator and you're into meditation, maybe it's the jhanas, or maybe it's, you know, or maybe the gate is working with some particular wonderful teacher or master, or going to some special retreat or special talk, or, you know, it's like, that's the gate. That's where we enter. But actually, it's like, each, each moment is our gate when we see it that way. And, um... So then, we can be grateful for our difficulties and the barriers that we're inevitably going to come up against, because those are the barriers, those are the places we enter. Those are the places we enter the practice. The barrier is the place where we meet ourselves. I was thinking about the barriers that we can come up against um, with other people in relationships. And, you know, it's kind of inevitable that when we're, if we're in relationship for a long enough time, there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some difficulty. Um, In my family, it's like every 20 minutes with the kids and, you know, (laughs) this is... What now? What's what's going on now? Um, I remember when I was going through some relationship difficulty many years ago, and was talking to a teacher, a Dharma teacher, about it. He said something that I've always remembered. He said, um, "With this conflict, with with a with a with a deep conflict in a relationship." there's only three things that can happen. There's either... Um, you, either the relationship ends, you know, and that's how the conflict ends, because the relationship ends. Or the conflict sort of gets ignored and, and the relationship kind of stagnates. Or the third thing was that the, re- um, the conflict is an opportunity for the relationship to go deeper. And it sort of reconstitutes itself. In working through that conflict, the relationship reconstitutes itself on a deeper level. And I really love that. I mean, it made so much sense to me. It doesn't happen all all the time. But, you know, what if a conflict with another person, a difficulty with another person, is an opportunity to get closer to that person? And in the kind of honesty and vulnerability that it takes to talk about a disagreement or a difficulty, we get closer. We feel closer. There's a new level of, of understanding and relationship. So, you know, um, the other, the other thing I was just reading about it was there was, um, a story in, I don't remember which newspaper, but it was something I was reading online about a mother who was um, talking about the journey that her family was on as her teenage, young teenage daughter of thirteen or fourteen was being treated for very serious cancer. And um, anyway, that you know, it, I felt very emotional reading about this. And, but one of the one of the points that the writer was making was that because we've had to face this huge difficulty you know in all these different levels at, you know what my daughters had to face what our families had to face and going through all this together we um, we know how to we know how to face what's difficult and what's challenging and we don't shy away from it. And one of the examples that she gave was that she took her daughter to see a film that was about the Me Too movement, you know, and I can't remember exactly what the film was called, but I think it's, I think it's a well-known film. And it kind of dealt with some of these issues of, of what young women face in certain industries and sexual harassment very explicitly and when the mother said that to another mother, oh, you know, my daughter and I went to see this film, the other mother was like, is that, is that an appropriate film? Or, you know, is, is that, you know, it was kind of a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I want to show that to my kids right now. And this writer, you know, she understood that. And then she realized that having gone through this tremendous, these tremendous challenges in a different area of life, um, she doesn't feel like she needs to protect her daughter anymore from some of the truths of, of life. And, you know, we have this instinct to um, protect, especially to protect our children, which I think is good at a certain developmental stage. And this goes right back to the um, the story of the Buddha. His parents, you know, as the story goes, the Buddha was a prince who was now we would say what, it was um you know, uh his parents were not only helicopter parents, they were snowplow parents. They were just, you know, they didn't want pushing away every obstacle, right? Didn't want young the young prince to see any kind of disease or sickness. To see poverty, to see death, you know. So we want to we want to protect our our children, and smooth out the barriers, right? But um, that doesn't really work, you know. At a a, a certain time, um, life gives us difficulties that we we haven't asked for necessarily, like this this family with the with a daughter who had this illness. But but I think that it's like developmentally children start to perceive more and more and as they become independent, you know, more and more independent selves. And you know, my kids have just said to me, Papa You're so overprotective. (laughs) You know, I'm like, don't, don't watch that or don't, you know, I'm not showing them certain things or, um, they want to see. They want to know. They're curious. They, you know, don't keep something from me. Um, and so at a certain point, just like a parent has to perceive that shift in their children and know, Oh, this isn't it. This, I can't smooth out every obstacle the kids have to face, have to meet that obstacle and find out for themselves how to deal with that, how to deal with that conflict with their friends, how to deal with that, um, you know, maybe it's a teacher who's difficult or assignment that's difficult or, you know, something. Um, You know, in the same way, I don't think we're trying to get to some place in our practice where there's never any more obstacles or barriers, or difficulties, but rather we're developing little by little the confidence that we can meet what life gives us. And we can, we can meet it, we may not like it, we may not like this difficulty, but we have the, we have the resources, we have the tools to practice with it, to breathe with it, to um, acknowledge what's difficult, to take care of ourselves, to meet to meet what's what's difficult with kindness, with care with compassion um, and then maybe maybe there's a way and maybe I'll just stop here, maybe there's a way that not only is practice sort of widening our our container, that we can hold more and more and contain more and more. But there's also, it's strengthening us, this kind of resilience. So, you know, I love that image of, um, I don't know if it's true medically, but they say, like, if you break a bone, then when it heals in that place, it's actually stronger it's it's reinforced in a certain way all those cells and the new new matrix of 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 bone that's built there makes it stronger or in the um i think it's in Japan they have this uh practice of filling the cracks in um you know like a, a vase or like a a, a bowl a, a ceramic bowl something that gets damaged they fill it with gold, you know, and then so if you see with this kind of gold uh, material, so if you see a, a, a bowl or something it's the places where it 's been damaged, the places where it 's gone through difficulty are sparkling are beautiful because they're they they're gold that 's our gold so um, you know, hopefully, we can we can see uh, whatever difficulties that we're dealing with, that we're practicing with. These are our treasure. This is our goal. This is our place to enter the Dharma, to enter our life, uh, to meet to meet ourselves in a new way. So, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.